What's up, sweetest honey listeners? We are diving into a topic that is widely talked about in our world today. We are talking about mental health. Specifically, we are going to get information and tips to improve mental health from my doll of a friend, Christina <laughs> Ostovich. Is that how you spell yes. your Yes. <laughs> you pronounce your last name right? <laughs> Ostovich. Um, Christina is currently pursuing her master's in counseling at SMU. She is a professional cheerleader for the Cowboys with me and a graduate of TCU. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm excited. <laughs> so one of my longtime family friends, um, Natalie, went to college with Christina. So we kind of met through her initially, and now they live together. So it's really fun because like, I get to go see both of them. <laughs> um, whenever we like hang out at their place and Christine and I have cheered together for the last two years and I just tore her. She's got beauty and brains, but I'm going to let her take over and tell you guys all about who she is. Yeah. So hi everyone. Um, (laughs) My name is Christina. Um, I say I'm originally from Colorado Springs, but I actually grew up um, a military brat. So I moved a little (laughs) bit all over. Um, and then found myself in Texas to go to TCU for four years and, um, decided I, you know, applied to multiple graduate schools. I somehow got into SMU, which is my dream program and made DCC in the same summer. Um, so kind of stuck around here and have just been, I'm about to wrap up my second season and my second year. In school so that's so impressive that you did that at the same time yeah i like, forget that you did that it's it's been difficult um definitely it's it's worth it though and i feel like it's just all about finding the right balance in the right support system right um because honestly i feel like cheering has helped me be a better student and be a better counselor and then vice versa too yeah that's awesome yeah. something i think is so cool like you mentioned is that you grew up like in a military family mm-hmm. and both of your parents actually served, yeah. which is like so rare, I think. Yeah. So my, my mom was actually, um, she was a flight nurse uh, oh. before I was born. So it was actually, she was in for, I think a little over five years. She retired as a captain. Um, and that's how she met my dad. They were actually both stationed in Korea at the same time. Wow. Um, and my dad went to the air force Academy and then he was an F 16 pilot for over 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of why we moved around. Um, and I always like go through, I was born in Nevada, moved to Colorado, Kansas, Utah, Florida, Colorado again, and then came to Texas. So, so it's been really cool though. And it's, um, Mm -hmm. very proud of my parents because they're humble people and they don't like to brag, but I'll brag about them. Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite, like, where was your favorite place that you lived? I would say I really like, I'm like a mountain person. So okay. I really liked Utah. Uh-huh. Um, and I was kind of young there. I, that's where I like first learned how to ski. Oh, and then Colorado will always be home to me though. Yeah. I think just cause I was there the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there, I, I was lucky enough. A lot of military brats don't get this, but I was lucky enough to stay there for middle school and high school. Mm. So I, that's been like a lot of my friendships have still stayed consistent from that place. Yeah. I, I like think about that often, but like, just how hard it would be on a young kid to like transfer schools and yeah. make new friend groups. And it's almost like you can't get attached to the friends that you make because yeah. you know it like could change quickly. Yeah, it's definitely like 
I don't think I realized it was different until I got older. Yeah. Because as a kid, you kind of, that's just the norm. norm. You don't see yeah. anyone. I mean, and most of your um, family friends are all military people too. So it's mm -hmm. kind of just like, that's what you do in three years. Dad comes home and he's like, hey, we're going to Niceville, like in Florida. We're going to move there. And they're like, cool. Okay. Awesome. New um, play. <laughs> it does. When you, when you get older, it gets harder because then you kind of start to realize, mm -hmm. um, more of the behind the scene moments like it, it just it gets a little bit harder but um for sure our family we still have our military community is like no other i would say yeah that's really cool and like my my mom stays in touch with like every single family we were stationed with mm -hmm. i was gonna say i'm sure you've met some really awesome people yeah. and who you can bond with over that yeah i even have like a family friend in, in dallas and she's come to like meet the team Sweet. and everything and like yeah. we were just at her daughter's wedding and so it's just you stay really close with people because it's kind of like the only support system you have that has mm. gone through the same experiences yeah that's good that you found like community through it yeah um give us a little like snippet of what your life looked like growing up oh okay um <laughs> you can take your time on. it's it's interesting for me I, when I look back I look at it through phases of like where I lived um because I think for the most part it's it's more of like at the time where I was at um but dance was something that was always in my life mm -hmm. I, that stayed consistent um that was how I like made friend groups and everything mm -hmm. um, but I would say it was really normal to have like my dad was gone a lot mm -hmm. um I don't remember him being there in the morning and he got, he was flying all day. So, mm. and a pilot's job, you know, every job in the military is gonna be different, but for right. pilots, it was, you know, they, they work quite a bit. Right. Um, and then when nine 11 hit, we were living in Utah at the time. And my mom, she always tells a story. She was like, you know, everyone has their story of like when you saw it on TV or, you know, when you're watching the news or heard it on the radio. And so she always says when she saw it on the news, she, my dad was sleeping at the time. And she didn't wake him up like she was you know obviously scared and everything but mm. she knew um he needed to sleep because he was about to get a phone call oh, and wow. he got the call and um not much later i think he was flown out to dc and then um he was deployed that year or two for like i think over six months um so then so at the time too we don't have cell phones and anything like mm. we just kind of um most of his deployments were six to nine months and we would skype him not very consistently because mm -hmm. it was kind of hard to and then we'd send like care packages and stuff um but that was pretty normal to kind of have him so him gone a lot yeah. yeah yeah that is so hard what was um like some of your most crazy memories or like the challenges you faced and i know you kind of mentioned mm -hmm. like that is like definitely not normal for yeah. <laughs> most families so i know that yeah. has to be a challenge but do you have any like crazy memories from that time in your life um there's just little things I look back on and it's just like sometimes you think about it and and it's just um like it's not a normal experience like I remember mm. around Christmas time like they'd have a Santa fly in on an F-16 oh my like, god and he'd come out like and, just, and you think back and I'm like as a kid I thought that was so normal I'm like there's Santa and I'm like no like you're literally oh. on a flight line and Santa came in on an F-16 you're like that's not normal that's or, really cool though yeah <laughs> like that I would yeah. say um something really cool was well my parents are actually like now separated yeah. um 
but we stayed in Colorado and my dad was still active duty. So when I was in middle school, he got moved to Aviano, Italy. Mm-hmm. And um, my brother and I, because of that, we had the opportunity to go over there a couple times and just kind of like explore all of Europe and mm-hmm. everything, which was really cool too. So, it, I mean, so cool. it gives you so many opportunities to travel and meet new people and cultures mm-hmm. and things like that. It's kind of love- like crazy moments. Yeah, but- <laughs> no, but yeah. definitely for a kid too. Like I love that you look at it with like, a positive perspective yeah, yeah. of what and you've gotten to could, Yeah, there were definitely challenges. Yeah. Um, but I think for the most part, if you talk to anyone in the military, they're they're gonna have a positive outlook on it because mm. it's so much um it's so much more than yourself. Yeah. And yeah. I think that you there's a a lot of pride in the military yeah, community sure because it's like you know what you're doing. Even the families have mm-hmm. a role in everything and it's all kind of just like a cohesive community with that mm-hmm. so it's really Such special servant-hearted job yeah <laughs> um so as we kind of mentioned before you are currently pursuing your master's in counseling yes. and what's really cool is that you have a big heart for working with veterans and first responders obviously um, yeah. with that connection which is incredible so was this something that you always wanted to do or how did you really know you wanted to get into this field yeah um so growing up, I actually, you know, I bounced around with a lot of ideas, like a lot of kids do. Like, yeah, I thought about, I thought about being a teacher for a little bit. I thought about going to law school for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, up until high school, probably, I, I took an AP Psych course in, oh, you know, yeah. like senior year. I loved AP Psych. Oh, everyone yeah. loves AP Psych. I don't know. It's just so <laughs> interesting because everyone can relate to it because it's right. about us. So when I took that class, I was like, I really like this subject. I really like looking at the brain. I like looking at behavior. And so that sparked my interest a little bit. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of started doing research and I'm like, I don't know about lawyer. I don't know. You know, I was like, I don't know if I could because I would only only want to defend like innocent people and help them get out of it. Because I was like, I want to help people. And I'm thinking about other jobs where I could do the more helping side of things Mm -hmm. and for some reason counseling popped into my head Mm -hmm. and as i did more research i and went to tcu i decided to major in psychology Mm -hmm. so that was kind of how i got to that path and then in my head i'm like if i would work with any community specifically like i only see myself working with with veterans and their families just Mm -hmm. because it it just means so much to me yeah um to give back because a lot of these individuals, it, I mean, they're all obviously extremely deserving, but it's it, there's not a lot of help out there for mm-hmm. them. Even st- it's gotten better, but um, even still now, it's really hard for some of them to get the help that they need. So I can believe that. Yeah. That's awesome that you have a heart for that, though. Um, and I can't wait to hear about like your experience in that and as a cl- clinician and stuff. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest goal as a counselor? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I think, I mean, generally it's to make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. That's very, very general. Um, but still huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's more so like, it's just day to day. And it's not like, like, it's not about making huge changes. It's about Mm -hmm. helping people make small changes themselves and kind Mm -hmm. of providing the tools that they need to go on with their life, you know, in their lives without yeah. you um, and kind of be able to to push forward a little bit. Um, but I think it's more so my goal would be helping people with those small moments mm-hmm. rather than something huge. Um, and then also just to kind of um, 
I want to be, you know, a licensed professional counselor LPC for a little mm -hmm. bit, but I, I don't know. I have goals in my head sometimes of like, maybe I want to open up my own um, clinic one day. Mm -hmm. um, and cause you know, at first I, I want to maybe work at the VA or build a clientele somehow, mm -hmm. but I could see myself too getting it on the other side of like starting my own program specifically for veterans or starting yeah. my own clinics. Those are probably like bigger goals in my head mm -hmm. that I would find uh, later on in my career. Right. Yeah. You're right. I feel like um, I'm glad you said the thing about like the smaller moments yeah. too, because you just never know how like deep rooted things are. But what mm -hmm. I love is like you've experienced a military lifestyle mm -hmm. and like have seen probably things in your parents. And so you can understand like where these people are coming from. And like, obviously from an outsider's perspective, I can hear a story and be like, wow, that is so traumatic right, or like, right. that's crazy that you witnessed that or went through that and stuff, yeah. but you've like kind of felt it more. Yeah. And so you're able to like identify with them and talk them through that, which is yeah, like, I don't know, that's huge. And I'm glad that you have that background. Yeah. I think it's definitely helped me get this far and definitely helped me it's given me a different perspective. I still know that I'm never going to be, you know, I've never gone to war. Like, right, I don't, I don't right. know what war looks like. I don't know what it feels like. Um, I just know that I have a lot of empathy mm -hmm. um, for those that have gone through that experience and gratefulness for that. So it's just, um, yeah. and I, I know, like, from the outside, I think a lot of people look at the military and they know that it's difficult and they know that it's, you know, a hard lifestyle. But but when you truly know, like, the, the ins and outs of it and... Mm -hmm a lot of military people don't talk about it. So it's, it's just um, a lot of hidden things that I think have given me a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. So um, just talking about some of like the more traumatic side of like the military and what veterans face um, mm -hmm. with like their mental health and how that affects them and their well-being. What's like the hardest challenge so far that you've seen for some of them to overcome? Um, I would say the number one challenge is, um, and this is this is coming from my own experience with my parents and with um, some groups that I'm involved with um, in the in the Dallas community, kind of. But what I've noticed is transitions are the hardest in the military, mm. and it's um, people. A lot of the time, people think about. I mean, obviously, trauma is a really big thing that comes up. Yeah. Um, but it's more so say you're at war for you know or you're you're deployed for like nine months mm -hmm. and that's you're getting to your routine there and um you know you're likely to see may or do some things that are traumatic mm -hmm. and then you come back home and it's the transition from going from that for nine months and having that be your norm to coming back home and all of a sudden you retire from military and you're working a corporate job and have mm -hmm. a family and it feels so different oh for sure there's like a lack of um, a lack of community, a lack of identity, mm -hmm. a lack of support sometimes. And that's where I think a lot of the issues with military members come out. Mm -hmm. So it's partially the trauma, but partially the transition periods between mm -hmm. coming back from deployments or retiring from the military. It can, those can be really difficult times for people. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I was just thinking about like the identity and what you said about that. Like because you, this is such a significant job. Like you're fighting for our country, you know, yeah. and that is your norm while you're there. And then to come home and feel like, is what I'm doing as significant, yes, or yeah. just like being home with your family and stuff? Yeah. It has to be crazy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because it's like you have such you have such a purpose, right? In the military, you have such a like 
concrete purpose and identity and and kind of also that community too of people Mm -hmm. and then you might come back and you're stationed in a completely different location and you have no one around you that you you know yeah just spent the nine months with right but you know it's it's very different and you have to like return to the norms of society and like kind of you know no one's known truly what you've gone through in those last nine months and so you're like coming home maybe to family or friends and you're trying to like explain or maybe you're different because you've had this traumatic experience yeah and it feels it probably feels like no one understands you and like what you've been through yeah and let me tell you something and from my perspective and what i've seen the most military people also aren't going to talk about it because something that's very much valued is strength mm. and resilience mm-hmm. and um and it's really hard to be vulnerable mm. about those times when you're um when you're trying to hold it together also for you know your family and the people back home so it's mm-hmm. it can be hard to come forward so a lot of the time people end up coping in unhealthy ways sure. that's where we see st- substance use drugs mm-hmm. alcohol that's where we see um you know instances of rage anger coming out mm-hmm. um cuz that's like one of the first emotions that will come out with trauma is just mm-hmm. anger um right so yeah. And that's where like you come into and being a counselor is like that's their safe space for them yeah. to open up hopefully and yes. like be more yeah. vulnerable and talk it out with somebody who's like a professional in that yeah. um, and understanding the brain and maybe like can help guide them through those moments of rage or something. Yeah, um, exactly. But I, I like just wonder this myself, but I mean, obviously like whenever something happens to us in life, like it sticks with you Mm -hmm. and like, you're always forever changing and evolving Mm -hmm. um, and maturing and stuff. But is it possible for like somebody to return to a healthy mindset after something really traumatic happens? I I definitely think it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the thing about trauma is it is just very deeply rooted and there's not um, a timestamp on it. So if something happened to you two years ago, it's actually there's research out there that um your brain doesn't register that that was two years ago your brain is still in fight or flight so it basically Mm -hmm. feels like it happened yesterday so if you go to counseling though and you have the proper tools there are ways to kind of rewire your brain i know Mm -hmm. it sounds really really um high tech but (laughs) there's ways of just talking through it and kind of desensitizing yourself to it and that's where um like a specific type of therapy, CBT, it's cognitive behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. can be really beneficial for um, anxiety, depression, PTSD. Um, It's used with a lot of veterans, actually. And so to kind of rewire your brain to a more healthy mindset Mm -hmm. um, and essentially changing the way you think to change your behaviors. Mm -hmm. So kind of like master, if you master the mind, you master the body, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that does, that definitely does. Um, I feel like there's so much we could talk about (laughs) within this and it goes so deep and I have so many questions, but I do kind of want to get into like, obviously mental health affects everyone in the world, Mm -hmm. whether in a big or a small way, like it's definitely important to learn about it and educate ourselves on like the best practices Mm -hmm. for mental health and like just what it means to have a good mindset. Um, But would you mind like breaking it down a little bit and giving us a few tips from a counselor's perspective. Yes. Um, so I actually have a few 
tools I can talk about. And these are all, I mean, obviously I'm still getting my degree. I'm not a complete expert yet. Yeah. But these are, these yeah. are come from experts and these come from my professors who are all um, currently working as clinicians and have their PhDs. So mm -hmm. um, a few cognitive behavioral techniques so the um, that you could use honestly in your daily life, whether with um, anything you're experiencing, um, one is reframing mm -hmm. the idea of kind of rewriting the narrative in your head. Um, so it's basically you think of a negative thought pattern. If you have a negative thought pattern, like I'm going to fail this test tomorrow and you're kind of telling yourself, maybe you have a little anxiety, test anxiety mm -hmm. and you're telling yourself, I'm going to fail this test tomorrow. You can turn that into, I am capable of doing well on this test and I'm going to prepare to the best of my ability mm -hmm. and say it out loud. I know it feels silly. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of easier said than done, but if you say that out loud, even if you look in, in the mirror and say this to yourself out loud, repeat it over mm -hmm. and over and over, that's going to start to have a physical change mm -hmm. in your behavior. And, um, and that all just comes from a simple switching a mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one, another one, um, a lot of the time, and this has to do with anxiety specifically, but a lot of the time when we have anxiety over a certain situation um, or event coming up, we tend to procrastinate that mm. um, at least. And I've, I've felt that personally where yeah. I kind of like you, you have so many things going on that you just push them all off because you can't think about it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So something that um, I've actually done this myself is activity scheduling. Okay. Um, and you can write this down. You can do it in a planner or on a laptop, but um, it helps basically just putting deadlines on your life and prioritizing um, what you need to do now, what you can delegate to later and mm -hmm. whatnot, you know, what isn't as important. Oh yeah. Kind of just put if you put a deadline on something, you're more likely to do it. Right. right. So I think that helps a lot too. Um, yeah. I was just thinking <laughs> the other day <laughs> I had like a wave of just like texts about scheduling things and um, was like planning everything out and just looking at my calendar and getting so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to get so much done. I, there's mm -hmm. not enough time. And I think that's so practical. Just like what is priority? What is yes. like, what can be done a little bit later? And then you kind of are able to take a step back and like breathe and just know like, yeah. okay, it's just like, what, what do I have to do today? You yeah. Know, like what's most important. And it helps you stay more present too. Cause I think yeah. a lot of the time in our society right now, we're so future oriented that yeah. we forget to focus on the present. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that can help a lot too. And just kind of remaining and, you know, on a daily basis, like, mm -hmm. what do I need to do today? Yeah, that's it. Right. That can help alleviate a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> um, another tip that I have is um, breathing. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but literally just breath work and meditation. Um, and it's um, it sounds, again, a little uncomfortable at first, but um, meditation can do a lot for us. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to sit down for an hour with the lights off and sit and just like ponder your thoughts. It can mm -hmm. literally be I have a meeting in five minutes and I'm kind of stressed out. I'm going to take a moment in my car. Yeah. And just, I, it can be helped to put like one hand on your chest, one hand on your stomach mm -hmm. and breathe in really slowly for like five seconds, hold it and then breathe out mm -hmm. and do that three times. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad actually, my dad always, he always tells me like when I'm stressing out, he's like three deep breaths, then you can do anything. 
That's awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah. So that helps me when I'm so like true. feeling very overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just take three deep breaths. Yeah. And it physically calms you down. So I think that there's like, all, there's also um, a mental effect with that too. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I want to point this out, but like uh, we were talking about this, I think last week, and it's physically hard for some people to sit down in peace and quiet and just be alone with their thoughts and breath and like no distractions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so hard for people in our in our culture because we're like a hustle culture. We're used to bouncing from one thing to the next and we don't, like you said, we'll push it off. Like we don't want to think about it. Yep. Instead of like just confronting it in the moment and being like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> like Exactly. Just taking, yeah. like you said, three deep breaths. Like that's so not intimidating. It's just like simple. It's very, yeah. But it's, it's easy. crazy how hard it is for some people to do that. Yeah. Well, and I think in our culture, we, um, we view productivity as always doing something mm-hmm. right oh, but sometimes yes. to be productive like as, like the most effective version of ourselves we have to take breaks mm-hmm. like we i mean if you're running 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 and on no sleep you're not going to be functioning on the level you should be right. functioning and so rest. you need rest you need a moment um for yourself whether that's self-care whether it's taking the deep breaths you know um and you're actually going to be more successful long term mm-hmm. because of that that's why there's a seventh day. God made rest. Yes, that's <laughs> what Sundays are for. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then, yeah. And then my last tip I kind of have here is, um, it's <laughs> fancy words, <laughs> successive approximation. Okay. Which is a fancy word of saying when you have a really overwhelming task, break it down into smaller parts. Okay. Yeah. That's Easy. essentially <laughs> it. So if you have a, this huge, um, project like you know you know back in school that you'd be assigned these big projects if, right and you just actually section off pieces of it like i'm gonna write one page of this paper today mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna do the next page tomorrow and then i'm gonna do the powerpoint the next day mm-hmm. it's that's gonna lead to um less feelings of anxiety and and being overwhelmed from it so. yeah okay yeah so something else i want to talk about is um, the difference between fear and anxiety. And I know this is something that we've like dabbled in a little yes. bit. So <laughs> break that down for us. So these terms are, I think, thrown around a lot. Yeah, um, and sure. a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, I have so much anxiety right now, but it's very different than having a um, pathological diagnosis of anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. And something that I do want to distinguish is um, the main difference between f- fear and anxiety. So fear is an emotional response to a real or perceived immediate threat. Mm-hmm. So this, if you're looking, you know, um, from a, a time-wise perspective, mm-hmm. this is something that's immediately coming to us. Yeah. If you're in the jungle and a lion's running at you, what you're <laughs> feeling is fear. Fear, yeah. Um, anxiety is a reaction to something in the future. So it's an an anticipated threat. Mm. So fear would be a lion is running at me right now. Oh my goodness. Like, what do I do? Anxiety is I'm going on a safari tomorrow. What if there's a lion and it runs at me? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of the difference there. You build it up in your mind. It's not something that's actually happened Uh to you. Uh Um, So that's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's important to make note too that um, just because someone is feeling anxious doesn't mean that they have an anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. because generalized anxiety disorder is an actual um 
diagnosis you make as a clinician. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean because you feel anxious during your day doesn't mean that you that that's a problem. It's a very valid and normal thing to feel. Yeah, it's we're human. Yeah. What does qualify an anxiety disorder? Well, (laughs) I'd have to crack open my DSM five. There's, I think the main difference is that it um, generalized anxiety disorder, it causes extreme um, challenges to your daily basis. Okay. Like you aren't able to leave your house. You aren't mm-hmm. able to like, there's, there's, and there's obviously criteria set and you have to meet a certain amount of that criteria right. to actually be diagnosed, right. which usually um, like a psychiatrist or a therapist would do an assessment on someone. Uh-huh. Um, but I think nowadays it is, interesting to see the amount of anxiety and i don't know Mm. if social media has to do with that i don't know if it's just the way our culture is kind of right now but i've noticed with myself and a lot of my friends um increased feelings of anxiety Mm. because of those certain things too yeah it is interesting too because like growing up i don't remember people talking about it too much unless it was like Mm -hmm. oh like i have an anxiety disorder like it's a serious thing Mm -hmm. but i think you know, maybe it's something where we build it up a little bit and we're mm-hmm. like, I have so much anxiety, I have so much anxiety. And it's like, okay, well, it is normal to feel anxious mm-hmm. about this thing, but I can talk myself through it. It's like we build it up exactly. so much to make it more than what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's just like an, uh, it's probably like a deep dive. <laughs> yes. But, well, and it also depends on even who you surround yourself with. Because have right. you ever noticed if you're in a room with someone who's really anxious – that's going to kind of brush off on you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting also the effects of that and um, kind of looking now with social media. So we have such, it comes with a lot of positive qualities, but it also, you know, you go online and you listen to people talking about, Oh my gosh, I'm so anxious. All this stuff happened to me. That's going to also increase your, you Mm -hmm. know, levels without even knowing it. I know that's, (laughs) that's so true because I, well, I deleted my app, my Instagram app this week. Just because mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I'm just a little distracted, mm-hmm. like feeling like I need to focus on, you know, myself. And I, I've been like scrolling a lot lately. And it's it's crazy how like just better I feel just not having that distraction. Right. Because it really like you think it's like such a small habit, but it like trickles into so much of your life yes. that you don't even realize. And you're like, yeah. oh, whoa. <laughs> like, Wow. <laughs> I totally understand. I actually deleted TikTok for the same reason. Mm. Um, and I remember my screen time went down like a so crazy much. amount, like 60%. Just wow. from deli- Yeah, it was it was crazy. I'm like, wow. I didn't realize venture. I spent that much time on TikTok, right? But, um, but it's crazy to, I think, little things that can help. And from, I follow a few doctors. There's um, one, I think he's the head of the neuroscience lab at Stanford. Cool. And um, he... Like recently followed him on Instagram, but he posts a lot of, um, you know, medical advice and he actually mm. talks about there's little things you can do too. And I, I'm going off on a tangent now, no, it's okay. but I feel like, I but even things it. like in the, mo- in the morning, it's like, they've done research mm. and the most important thing is to get natural light right in the morning, yeah. not artificial light from your phone yeah and it it's interesting because that also affects your sleep patterns oh for sure so it's little things like that like even Mm -hmm. just getting outside Mm -hmm. can do so much for us and going back to the basics making sure you're getting enough water making sure you're fueling yourself getting outside Mm -hmm. instead of 
scrolling on your phone for three hours because that's not what we were meant to do right you know um right so, that's so true yeah. yeah this is encouraging me because i feel like i mean i've been doing the whole natural light thing lately yes. but i'll like set my alarm and, <laughs> and give myself like five alarms and like if i <laughs> if i wake up on the first one i'll look at my phone and be like okay, mm -hmm. i'm just gonna wake myself up for like 10 minutes and then mm -hmm. i'll get out of bed but like i wonder how much of an impact it would have if mm -hmm. i just didn't touch my phone for like the first hour of waking up and you know made better habits yeah but and it's hard because you get into a pattern of that and mm -hmm. and it's it, it's extremely hard to break patterns so right. it's all about just like one day at a time and just if it comes with a positive effect then it's probably going to be a little bit easier to break yeah so. there's like that reinforcement yeah jessica was saying she deleted tiktok this week too because yeah. she was like i she's like i keep staying up like till 2 a.m and then i get no sleep and i'm tired for my work day and it's like i want to go into work a little bit later and mm -hmm. later every day like just because of freaking tiktok <laughs> i was like yeah girl let's let's go to detox like <laughs> yeah and you know not to put tiktok down no because, like I, I, I get it it's fun it's you know i but love shooting videos of people media. but it's in increments you know yeah. it's just if it, and it's really hard mm -hmm. to get it that's that instant gratification for sure from scrolling yeah, yeah. interesting um <laughs> i know you have a little bit of like tips from a clinician like life lessons or so yes. would you share those absolutely um so these are actually all from one of my favorite professors in my program she's uh -huh. incredible um but she she works as a therapist um, um she focuses with like couples and relationships but she also teaches full-time too at smu mm -hmm. so um i have in in my class i'll be taking notes and then whenever i've had her she'll just say the most impactful things that have really stayed with me so i started keeping a whole word document of quotes from her i love that so these are just little quotes that i've heard um, <laughs> Um, the first is that, um, you've probably heard this before, but happy people don't hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Mm, so and so when you think about it, um, having empathy for people goes a really long way because the people, sometimes the angriest person in the room or the person that's lashing out on people the most is doing that to themselves even mm. more and criticizing themselves even more. So I think mm. having empathy goes a very long way. So true. Yeah. Um, another one, it's difficult to swim without getting in the water. <laughs> these, these are very metaphorical. I love so, it. No, so love kind it. of like you just, you, I mean, if you want to do something difficult, you're going to have to go through something difficult. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you want to do something, there's going to be troubles with it. You have to, you know, get in the water. You have to do it. And anticipate it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Prepare yourself. Um, she also, this one really stuck with me. This one I felt like so good. called out, but there, there's power in being a victim. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, which there is. And I think, I mean, no one's perfect. I've been there, but when you're in that state of mind, there is a lot of power that comes from being that position of like blaming someone else over, mm. you know, if something happens to you mm. or, you know, and not taking responsibility for that. There's, mm. there's so much more power with just sitting back and saying, oh, it was their fault. Oh yeah. You know, I, it was completely out of my control. Mm -hmm. Making uh, it about yourself too. When yeah. It's like, it might not be at all. You're exactly. Blowing something out of proportion. Yeah. Um, oh, this one's good. <laughs> it's not what happened, but how we remember it. Mm -hmm. Um, this has to do with a lot of, a lot of our memories too. Um, it's really interesting because over time thing, you know, we forget certain things, but, um, 
situations can happen and we can remember it so differently than it actually happened or so differently than another person's perspective. Like you and I can go yeah. home after this podcast and we each had completely different, you know, <laughs> perspectives like, over what I happened. I hated no, it. No, no, I was no, like, no, I it was it so fun. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm having fun. I promise. But, <laughs> but it's very, it's important to know, like everyone's going to have a different right. perception of you know one situation, and mm. and there's no one set reality. Yeah. In that case, um, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. And then we uh, we only attempt to change when the pain is stronger than the fear of change. This sounds very philosophical, um, but she told a story with this and okay. it was kind of, it was kind of cool. It was like a farmer, imagine a farmer sitting on his porch with a friend okay. and they're just chatting. And then his dog comes out and lays down in front of them and unexpectedly lays on a nail. So the dog's laying on a nail sticking out, but the dog doesn't move. And the friend's looking at the farmer and he's like, why is this dog not moving? Mm -hmm. And the farmer looks at his friend and he says, it must not hurt enough yet. And so it was really interesting to me, like the, the fact that sometimes change is so scary to people because yeah. change, we humans like consistency. So change is so scary to people that they would rather stay in a situation of pain versus going out and into the unexpected. Yeah. But it's when the pain gets so strong that there's not really another option is when we decide to go that's after when, the change. Yeah. And it's like causes so much more hurt. Too. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's yeah. what it's saying, but I feel like that's big for relationships. Yeah. Like so many people stay in relationships that aren't good for you and yeah, you wait until it gets to the point where you can't handle it anymore. I think, and I, I, I don't want to, I, I, the statistic might be wrong, but I, yeah. I think I heard at one time that it took on average eight hospital visits for a survivor of domestic violence to leave their partner. Wow. Eight hospital visits. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's really, I mean, we get into these patterns and we get into these habits and it's really scary to change those. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd almost ra would rather accept the pain than go into the unknown. So Crazy. that one really stuck with me. That is so good. Um, and then the last one that I have um, kind of as a life lesson is that pain is necessary suffering is not so with life nothing's gonna be perfect we're all gonna experience pain at times mm -hmm. but just because you're in pain doesn't mean you have to suffer you can seek out help from friends from family from god mm -hmm. um you know from counseling and um and this kind of just shows me that vulnerability should be seen as a strength yeah. Because it's, it's, I mean, it's just a tool for you essentially. Mm. And, and getting, getting help is something, it should be seen as something that people do, um, who are strong and who want to overcome, overcome suffering. Right. Essentially. I feel like suffering in this context too, is like suffering alone. Like, yes. Yeah. With like thinking you need to handle everything yeah. by yourself. And that's where you said like vulnerability is like a strength. Like yeah. <laughs> admitting that you need help and you need people around you is like a great thing to yeah. admit. And honestly, I don't think there's anything that shows more strength than vulnerability because it is sure. so hard to like on a genuine level, it is so hard to do when yeah. you're really experiencing shame or, you know, depression or anxiety. Like the last thing you want to do sometimes is go to someone and just be open because mm -hmm. it's like it's scary it's scary yeah 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 but you're right like pain is inevitable mm -hmm. but like you don't have to do it alone which is where like the suffering comes in like yeah. you don't have to suffer alone that's yeah. that part is like 
not necessary and you have the choice to mm -hmm. you know kind of hopefully if you have good people around you like yeah um seek help in that yeah just kind of taking a step yeah at least. these are awesome i like yeah. those i'm gonna <laughs> I like know, put I them have, out i literally <laughs> i have more i have more too i have like two word docs i'm of sure these that i've do. just written down but, but those are these are favorite. a few of my favorites yeah i love that okay i would love your take on this because mm -hmm. a lot of times you hear people saying in the last like few generations that like or saying that these last few generations have gotten like soft mm -hmm. so to speak yeah yeah <laughs> um i hear it all the time i swear i've talked about this with a lot of like adults who have kids and stuff. And I want to hear your perspective as well, but we live in a culture that, like you said, we're used to getting what we want pretty quickly. It's mm -hmm. like that instant gratification. And a lot of us grew up different from our parents, which mm -hmm. is fine, but words like anxiety and mental health are thrown around a lot mm -hmm. now. And like, I don't know, my, I have a, <laughs> a friend who's a mom and she was telling me about her daughter who like didn't want to go to track practice and mm -hmm. told her mom like, I'm just, I need to prioritize like my mental health. I have a lot of anxiety. I don't want to run the mile or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, you're saying you're mm -hmm. going to run the mile and you're going to come home and you're going to be fine. And then mm -hmm. we'll work through it, you know, but mm -hmm. it's like now you're kind of having to push kids to work through their mental health barriers, their anxiety and stuff, because it's almost and like abused or like used as an mm -hmm. excuse sometimes mm -hmm. to get out of things. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that like mental toughness to kind of push through like maybe some of the older generations do. And right. there's probably healthy and unhealthy sides to both. Right. But how do you see different generations like dealing with these topics? Yeah, I think you're spot on about a lot of things. <laughs> I do see, I, I, I think there's two different extremes you could go with. There's that I think part of the more traditional older generation of saying, you know, do not cry, do not, you know, save it for your pillow. I don't want to hear it. Like almost no, do not talk like about your no emotions. Empathy. Yes. Yeah. Which will later have an effect on your future relationships. Right. And, you know, we've, many people have probably experienced that mm -hmm. to a generation that's so open about their feelings that maybe like you said it's kind of used as a way of oh no i need i, I need the day off you know i'm mm -hmm. feeling and and you don't want to get to the point where it's just thrown around because these terms are very important and very um you know you used as a diagnosis they they mean a lot right like the yeah. terms of anxiety and depression should be used in terms of a diagnosis but right just because you're having um you're upset one day or sad you know and it's mm. gloomy outside doesn't mean you have depression right um but with the younger generation kind of to answer your question yeah, yeah. i i think social media and has had a big difference yeah. in the way that we view things because I think a lot of the time you get online and you see people who maybe have similar experiences as you and you kind of take that on like oh my friend is going through this I think I am too mm. or um kind of with um I even think about like TikTok videos and stuff you see people who are going on and like oh I had a really bad mental health day I'm just doing this so as a kid you're viewing all of this information and you're like maybe I should be doing that too yeah um so it's kind Makes of the sense. information that we feed ourselves mm -hmm. um 
And I, I think there's good and bad things. I think there needs to be a balance between the two. Exactly. Yeah. That's ideal. I know that's hard, but I think that there needs to be a balance between having kids in this generation able to be vulnerable because mm-hmm. I think it's For incredible sure. that yeah. kids are able to talk about this nowadays and yeah. mental health because it used to not be the case at all. Right. Um, so I think that that's really strong. And like I said, vulnerability is strength. But I also think there needs to be a balance between that and then also knowing what you should be doing and still being able to um, do tasks on a daily basis and to work hard and to have the values of the traditional um, older generation. Right. Kind of, that makes sense. Right. And I think it's like you talked about with social media, like it's almost like it's not their fault in a way because they are used to instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this as me too, you know, like I'm like, yeah, I'm not that old. (laughs) I'm in, I'm in this too, you know, but like you become so used to that. And so when you face something that is hard, you're not as like, you don't have like as much mental capacity to like push through it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when we get bored, that's when I go to my phone and like scroll and just let my mind wander where I like probably be doing a little bit more beneficial things with (laughs) my time. Although I think like I'm a big advocate for like, you can take a self-care day and like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I definitely need that. And if if I get stressed, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to kind of take a step back and like maybe rest for a second and like just, you know, breathe, take a moment and then get back into it. But I feel like, yeah, like you said, there needs to be a balance and there's positive and negative to both. Mm-hmm. And I think for parents too, it's just important to know kind of the ins and outs of this younger generation. I, I mean, ourselves included, yeah, right? Ourselves, I, I say yeah. younger, but it's not that, yeah, it's not that much. But, right. I, I, you know, as like a future parent, hopefully, like when I have kids, I, I think about what I want to teach them. And I do want to teach them, I think, just values of what it means to be a hard worker and what it means to be dedicated to school to you know sports to whatever they're involved in and also being able to know your limits Mm -hmm. and to know when you need to take time off yeah that's great but to not take advantage of the opportunity to take time off Mm -hmm. but to know when you're you truly need it yeah i love that i think that's a very great way to put it and i'm obviously speaking about this as like just coming from my experience i you know i'm not a medical (laughs) professional like i can't I can't really say, and I know there's so many opinions like on this, but just from like what I've kind of seen, I Mm -hmm. feel like, um, I totally agree with you on everything you're saying. Um, another part that plays into this for myself and like others, but faith is like a huge aspect to like my mental health Mm -hmm. and has, you know, been really great for like my internal peace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you think having faith plays into mental health? Absolutely. I think it depends on the person, but I absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm also, you know, Christian and I, and Mm -hmm. I, I've personally um, seen ways to incorporate your faith into um, your like daily mental health routine. I think even, you know, for some people that might be meditation, but for other people that might be praying yeah, and taking the time to pray. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, for me, a lot of my perspective has come from, I know God has a plan. Yeah. And when we talk about anxiety, 
putting your anxiety into God mm -hmm. is a, it has, I mean, I've had a tremendous impact in my life from being able to do that right. and being able to know this is just a part of the plan. Setbacks yeah. or set, you know, setups for, you know, mm -hmm. for, you know, future experiences. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it can play a role into someone's mental health. Right. Yeah. For me, it's much easier to, like you said, like, know, like, okay, I have to go through this trial to grow and like, it is a part of his plan or I don't have to deal with my anxiety mm -hmm. on my own. I can give it to God, you know, exactly. and it's like yeah. that moment of prayer or maybe like your quiet time. Like I love to like journal in the morning and like read and stuff to, I always think it makes me mm -hmm. just feel like I'm in a better mindset for the day. Um, but I think it's interesting and like I kind of view it as like that missing piece. Like I, yeah. th I think, you know, people probably view it differently, but um, like there's the, obviously the medical side of it, mm -hmm. but I kind of believe, you know, like God created all of that mm -hmm. and he's like that missing piece that we need to like truly be like healed from a I lot of that. things yeah. and stuff. Um, but I think they, in my head, they go together. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? I, I think so too. I, and I think, um, you know, not everyone's going to have that perspective, right. but in my experience with like my own personal life, mm -hmm. like not looking at anyone else with my own mental health, God has had a huge impact in my faith. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Agree. It's so cool. I love this topic and I'm glad that we got to just like dive into a new, a new side of things. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's so cool that you're like in the midst of studying all of this and yeah. Kind of see where your journey takes you thank you yeah it's um i feel like i could talk about it all day but i'm also in the pro i'm still learning yeah so yeah. much so you'll have to call me back up in a few years I and know. i might have a different perspective but i think that would be so cool you can do a podcast in the future and you're like yes. actually this is what i've learned like i was completely wrong yeah <laughs> yeah 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 everything is taken with a grain of salt here um no but i think it's great and i hope even just like the practical tips and life lessons will help people today on their I journey. So too, yes. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you next time on Sweet the Sunny Podcast.